Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. From down 0-2 to one game away from Bucks in six. A new but not unfamiliar leader for the Wizards. Plus, how seriously should we be taking the Boston Red Sox? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Milwaukee Bucks are now just one game away from an NBA title and doing it in the famous Bucks in six. Joining me now from Locked on Bucks, host Kane Pittman and Kane, uh, Milwaukee able to come away with a 123-119 victory in game five in Phoenix thanks to uh, almost 90 combined points from Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, the most by a trio in the NBA Finals, shooting 50% or better since the Lakers with Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and James Worthy. What did they unlock in this game to get all of those guys going at once? Yeah, I'm not sure if they really unlocked anything, but they certainly found themselves in a zone where they were knocking down shots. I do think it was... Pretty pivotal on the first play of the game that Mike Budenholzer drew up a play to get Drew Holiday an open jump shot from the mid-range. He knocked that down, and then he really seemed to feel pretty confident from that point on. He had a couple of jump shots early before foul trouble took him out of the game, but thankfully for the Bucks, it didn't take him out of his rhythm. But look, they they had to win one. We knew this. If the Bucks were going to win this series, they had to get at least one on the road. They did that in Game 5, and for the first time, almost for the entire postseason, uh, they've had the big three of Giannis, Chris, and Drew all get going on the same night. We saw it on multiple occasions during the regular season. It hasn't quite happened in the postseason. But you saw if you have those three go three going all at once, you can overcome a pretty extraordinary shooting performance from Phoenix, which, uh, which they got. The pessimistic side of this is, well, yeah, they got all three of those guys going. Uh, they shot almost 60% from the field, which is wild and still only barely won this game. So what do you think the Bucs can take uh, extrapolating forward here on you know trying to finish out this series and win an, an NBA championship? Yeah, I mean, you have to look at both sides. I mean, for Milwaukee, when you look at the box score, you see those shooting numbers, 57% from the field, 50% from three, and you think, okay, well, that's a game you should win until you look at Phoenix with 55% from the field and 68% from three. (laughs) And then there was a discrepancy at the foul line as well where Milwaukee were only nine for 17. We know they made life a little bit difficult for themselves in the last minute or two there. Giannis missed a bunch of free throws and Chris Milton missed a, a pretty big one there as well. But for the Bucs, I think what we've seen throughout this series is that on occasions, your defense is going to be excellent and there's going to be tough shots made. I think the question for Phoenix that Milwaukee will will try and, and force them into answering is at the moment, it really looks like Devin Booker is the guy that has to run the offense, has to do all the scoring because Chris Paul, despite the fact he had 21 points and 11 assists, he just still had extended periods on the bench at weird times during this game. He didn't really seem to want to run the offense throughout the first three quarters of this game as much as usual. I don't know whether that's down to the fact that Devin Booker is hot and they're just giving him the ball or Chris Paul isn't exactly healthy. But for the Bucs, continue the physical defense on Chris Paul and Devin Booker and um, you're going to give yourself a real chance. Locked On Today is brought to you in partnership with Odyssey, your new home for music, news, sports, and podcasts. Download the Odyssey app today. Coming up, a new but not unfamiliar leader for the Wizards. 
That's next. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Colin Morikawa won the 149th Open Championship on Sunday over three other former major winners, Jordan Spieth, Louis Oosthuizen, and John Rahm, with his four under 66 in his first ever trip to the oldest golf championship in the world. Morikawa is just 24 and already has an unbelievable resume. He's the first golfer ever to win two majors in his event debuts. He's the third golfer to win two or more majors in his first eight appearances, along with Bobby Jones and Gene Saracen. He's the fourth American to win the Open before age 25, joining Jordan Spieth, the aforementioned Bobby Jones, and that guy named Tiger Woods. He's also the eighth golfer in the last 100 years to win multiple majors before turning 25. Morikawa is a golf superstar. The U.S. women's Olympic basketball team was in unfamiliar territory after dropping two exhibition games in a row for the first time in a decade. The Americans rebounded with a strong effort to beat Nigeria 93-62 on Sunday in the final pre-Olympic exhibition tune-up for both teams. Asia Wilson scored 16 points and Brianna Stewart added 14 to lead the U.S., which dropped consecutive exhibition games for the first time since 2011 with losses to the WNBA All-Stars and Australia this week. U.S. tennis player Coco Gauff has tested positive for the coronavirus, forcing her to pull out of the Tokyo Olympics, saying, quote, I am so disappointed to share the news that I have tested positive for COVID and won't be available to play in the Olympic Games in Tokyo. It has always been a dream of mine to represent the USA at the Olympics, and I hope there will be many more chances for me to make this dream come true in the future. Shaq Moore scored 20 seconds in, and the United States beat Canada 1-0 on Sunday to win Group B of the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Moore's goal was the fastest in Gold Cup history and the fastest for the U.S. since Clint Dempsey scored in 30 seconds against Ghana in the Americans' 2014 World Cup opener. Both the U.S. men's national team and Canada already were assured of advancing. The U.S. finished atop its first-round group with a 3-0 record and will play its quarterfinal on July 25th in Arlington, Texas, against the loser of Costa Rica and Jamaica, both 2-0 going into their match on Tuesday in Orlando. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for this month on betonline.ag. The NBA draft is just a few weeks away, and the first overall pick might be a lock, but guess what? You can still bet on it. The betonline.ag lines for the first pick in the NBA draft are Cade Cunningham, as a minus 2,500 favorite, Evan Mobley at 10 to 1. As an underdog, Jalen Green 10 to 1. Jalen Suggs at 14 to 1. And Jonathan Kaminga at 20 to 1. For all your NBA Finals, Major League Baseball, Olympics, and golf lines, betonline.ag has you covered. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Here is another story you need to know. The Washington Wizards tapped a familiar name to be the next head coach in D.C. Wes Unsell Jr. is going to be the next head man in charge of the Wizards. Joining me now, the new host of Locked on Wizards, J.D. Jackson. And J.D., there is going to be this idea that 
Wes Unseld Jr. is a legacy hire because Wes Unseld is arguably the greatest player in franchise history. But this is a coach who has certainly paid his dues, who who earned this role, no question about it. So tell me what he brings to this version of the Wizards. Wes Unseld Jr. Um, has the fan base excited. Uh, for obvious reasons, I believe it's, it's time for the Washington Wizards to just have a new voice in their locker room, new philosophies, a new tactician, something that was frustrating. Um, if you were covering the Wizards or a fan of the Wizards were the lack of attention to detail. And that's what Wes Unseld Jr. will bring to the Washington Wizards. And it wasn't just the role players. It wasn't just the rookies. It was the veterans. It was Russell Westbrook. It was Bradley Beal. The lack of attention to detail is something that I know I want to see change with Wes Unsell Jr. And I believe that there that will happen. I believe he'll pay attention to why they're dropping coverage if they're guarding Steph Curry. You never drop versus Steph Curry on a pick and roll because he'll just kill you from three. But under the old regime, that happened. Things like that happened. And so it's the attention to detail. Uh, it's the ball and player movement that I expect to see from him. He's already been on record saying that the old coaching staff didn't use Denny Avdia in ways that they should. He's already been on record saying he knows new ways of using Bradley Bill that the old coaching staff did not do. And that's music to my ears because I've been an advocate of many things I think they can do with both players, including Russell Westbrook too, that they have not done. And so that's that's what I'm hoping we get to see from Wes Unsell Jr. And in Denver... He got to coach guys like Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and help them shepherd in really new eras in their development. So what does he bring to Washington to help a guy like Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, get to where they can maximally get to in this or any offense? Yes, um, I believe Wes is definitely going to help Bradley Beal. Uh, people forget that Bradley Beal is still very young. He's still in his 20s. Um, so you know, Westbrook, Westbrook's a bit older at 32. I think he'd be 33 this year, but Bradley Bill is still very much in his prime. And even he said at the end of the season that he's still not an MVP caliber player. I tend to agree with him. I think that Bradley Bill is an elite scorer, but I don't think he's yeah. an MVP caliber player yet. Um, and I think Wes Unsell is going to help him in that area. What I would like to see more from Bradley Bill with his skill set is more playmaking. Every now and then he'll show you flashes of it, and it, it just makes me think, gosh, I wish he'd do that all the time. I know you can score, but I wish you the playmaking would happen all the time. And I think Wes Unsell would help him recognize that. How seriously should we take the Red Sox? Our cue of the day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. This is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And it's no wonder with flavors like double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, German chocolate. I had cherry barcia the other day and I'm not a big fruit and chocolate guy. Oh my goodness. It's so good. It is so good. And they're all high in protein, high in fiber, low in net carbs, low in sugar. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Pretty cool. And right now, when you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. How about that? Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built.com. 
com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the day. Health and safety protocols prevented the Red Sox and Yankees from kicking off the second half of the Major League Baseball season, but they were still able to get in three games. The Yankees taking two of three. Joining me now, one of the new hosts of Locked on Red Sox, Lauren Campbell. And Lauren, uh, the, the Red Sox do have their tied for the best record in the American League, but they have the fifth best point differential in the AL. So as we stand here in, in late July, how serious should we be taking the Red Sox as contenders in the American League? I still think it should be pretty serious because they are winning games with, you know, sort of a depleted bullpen, if you'll say. You know, they have some issues in the bullpen, some issues in their starting rotation, but they're still finding ways to win games and games against good teams. So I'm still taking them pretty serious. We have the trade deadline coming up. So there's nothing that's raising major red flags for me for me to say this team isn't a serious contender. I, th- I think to your point, too, they are 28-19 away from Fenway, one of the best marks in all of baseball. And sometimes those splits can be a little misleading, but generally I- I'm looking at teams that if you're able to win at home, okay, that's one thing. But if you're able to go on the road and get wins, usually that's a sign of number one, good pitching. And number two, an overall consistent team here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they have a lot of holes to fill in in some spots where it's like, what are they going to do with first base? What are they going to do? Do they need another reliever? How are they going to like integrate Chris Sale back into this rotation? They have a lot of questions, but also they have a lot of solutions to their what needs to be done. Right. Oh, by the way, they have the chance to bring back a pitcher who, at least on talent, um, has been one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's healthy and, and working. The problem for them, to me, is you look at the rest of the American League. The Astros, like them or not, they've been pretty awesome this season. The White Sox have had this resurgent season. And, and, and even, you know, right now you look at the standings, the, the Toronto Blue Jays are 48 and 42. They've got a plus 95 differential. The problem for the Red Sox, to me, is the East is just loaded. It's a stacked, stacked division. It is. And before the the season even started, I was worried about the Blue Jays kind of being like the top team. I knew the Rays were going to be in contention there too, but man, it's a lot tighter than I thought it was going to be. And the Blue Jays themselves are really putting up a good name and they've returned to their, to the Rogers Center at the end of the month. Who knows what that's going to do for them uh, playing in their home stadium in front of fans. That could, that could be a whole game changer right there. And finally, Olympians will be greeted with beds made from cardboard in the Tokyo Olympic Village. This wasn't a decision based on cost. It's meant to keep the athletes from intimacy with other Olympians. Yeah, you know what that means. You know what I'm talking about. The beds are built to withstand the weight of one and one only because these athletes train their entire lives to go to the Olympics to sleep on a cardboard bed. Sure. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on Tuesday, what level of concern is there in Phoenix heading into Game 6? Well, they are one game away from their season being over and watching another team hoist the trophy. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today. Stay locked on today.